Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. Right. Welcome to Plan for Life Now, episode number 41. Wow. We're getting up to 50 slowly but surely. Very slowly at the pace that we've been going. Right. We've been in a a summertime slump of, I think it's been a month or more. We could actually change the name of the show to The Lazy Podcasters. (laughs) I like to think that we wait until we have something really important to talk about. I think so. We do wait for top. I mean, if... In a sense, this is very good because if we were in this heavy-duty financial crisis scenario right now, we'd be doing, naturally, a lot more podcasts. Sure. Yeah. And the fact that things are pretty slow and steady, yeah, it's a good thing. Well, I mean, that's been a lot of the discussion we've been having with people in all of our review meetings is how, how calm, except there was a little bit of volatility in the early part of this year, but how calm the last... 18 months or so have been. Yeah. Even going back into 2016, you just haven't seen much volatility. No. And that's that's actually not normal, but it is what it is. It's, yeah. Uh, and, of course, the farther we get away from volatility or even a whole year of a down market, what was the last calendar year? January to January, we had a down market. I'm, I don't even remember. 2008. Was that the last full that calendar was the last year for the U.S.? Oh, I was stock thinking market. 2011, but maybe no. It's they you know squeaked out a gain. I think 2011, 2015 were very small gains there, but for the U.S. S and P 500, it was 2008 was the last full calendar year that had a, a negative return. Right now, we have had a couple declines in there. 2011 that you're talking about. There was one point where we were down 18, almost 19% off the high. But calendar year wound up right. positive. So as you go year to year, and now we're in whatever, 10th year of things going up, well, guess what? Over time, the challenges we had with clients in 2009 mm-hmm. uh, you know, or 2008 or just the notion of can you guys grow my money and keep me afloat – well, guess what? Naturally, human nature says those concerns are going to dissipate yep. over time. And as those had now, it over time is a decade, it's assumed, it should never be assumed, that my financial advisors are going to grow my money because your financial advisors are still <laughs> always, you know, captive to how the markets are going to do. Sure, of course. But, they're, but everybody, now, what are some other things? And that's sort of what this show is about. What are other things that financial advisors should be doing um, 
to help you help your estate not only grow but stay afloat. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean, and I, this is not going to go into a a whole conversation about long term care insurance because we're not going to talk about that this show. No. But other things, yes, financial advisors for their fee should be should really be doing an overall plan for people and, and doing those services. But what right. are those services? That's sort of what we wanted to talk about today. Yeah, and it, you're right. I mean, you kind of hit on how most people think of, okay, I'm going to hire an advisor because they're going to pick these great investments for me. Right? That's, that's a lot of the time what people think about. And that is a part of what an advisor should do, but it, it shouldn't be the whole picture. You know, I often said that, you know, when you take that certified financial planner um, certification exam, it, it covers six different areas. And I'm just challenging myself now to come <laughs> up with them. But they're, I believe they're retirement planning, income planning, investment planning. So investment's certainly part of it. Tax planning, insurance planning, and estate planning. Right. There, I did it. Six, six segments. So... Investments certainly a part of that, retirement a part of that, but what we want to talk about here is a little bit more on the tax side of things. So um, I'm always going to throw out the caution that we are not tax advisors, we are not CPAs, this is not what we do, but any good financial advisor has to be savvy about the impact of taxes on the investments and the withdrawals that they're recommending. So I wanted to go through a couple of cases that we worked on recently, depending on how much time we have here. Well, I guess we have as much time as we want. We do. There but is I don't want to... It's not the old radio show. There's no commercials. I know, but I don't like to make this go on for an hour. No. That just gets boring. Um, so I wanted to take you through a couple of real examples, people that we worked with recently, and how we used certain withdrawal strategies to help them minimize costs and, of course, maximize the the money that they keep there. Um, So we have one particular client where she's taking withdrawals, she's in the retirement phase, and for a number of years, she was under the age of 65, and we structured her withdrawals to try to minimize the Obamacare premiums that she paid. So when you pay premiums under the Affordable Care Act, Um, the premium subsidy that you can receive is based on your income. So the lower your income, the more of a subsidy you could receive. The higher your income, you know, I think if you're over, I don't know, what is it, 50,000 or something, you're not getting a subsidy. Yes, we know. Right. (laughs) I know you personally know because that's uh, that's your situation. So with this woman, we structured her withdrawals to try to minimize the premiums that she paid under Obamacare. Then she turned 65, and now we don't care about the Obamacare thresholds. We care about the Medicare threshold. Yeah, what are the Medicare in general, just to remind people? Well, just to give you a range here, um, let's say that you are a single person uh, making $85,000 or less. So this is $85,000 in modified adjusted gross income, right? I'm not going to get into all, you know, what all that means. You can Google that. But it's basically, you know, what your income is. So if you're a single person, 85000 or less, your Medicare Part B premium is $134 a month. Okay. 
this and there's a whole you know once again you can google this if you want to see the medicare premium tables but on the higher end for a single person income over 160,000 you could be paying $428 a month wow right? so this is a difference of almost $300 a month right. in what you're paying for your medicare premiums and uh, for those of you who are already dealing with this you know that they look back a couple of years to see what your income is to decide you know what to charge you there so the strategy that we take here is we want to make withdrawals and in 2017 she made withdrawals we were getting close to that $85,000 threshold so the last withdrawals that we took we took out of her Roth IRA right now normally normal financial planning textbook stuff says that you take withdrawals from a Roth IRA last, right? You want to leave that money to grow. That's going to be the last place that you tap into. Right. Sort of figuring that you'll need that tax-free income at the end of your life based on whatever. I don't even know why. I mean, I well, know what you're talking about because I've, sure. I've seen the textbooks. Yeah. But, well, it's know. basically saying that you want that tax-free money to grow as long as possible. Right. Right? Okay. So... Um, you know that's that's kind of the standard advice, but we wanted to keep her under that threshold. So the last, I think it was eight nine thousand dollars of income we took from the Roth IRA. Right? Different situation this year, where she was going to be over that eighty five thousand dollars threshold. She had some other expenses. You know, wanted to spend some money. Now we were looking at the next threshold. So then we said. Let's go ahead and withdraw more money from the traditional IRA to essentially fill up this bucket here, and then that last little bit take it from the Roth IRA. Right. So it's it's basically being aware of what is the taxable impact, not only for shifting tax brackets, which is a whole nother discussion, but how might that impact your, in this case, your Medicare premium? And I think. Why this should be important to a lot of people, even if you're under 65 right now, is that this type of planning and strategy will probably become more important as time goes on. As Medicare premiums go up, as income, the the same kind of situation is going to be there for everybody. The more, quote, income you have, the more it's going to cost you. And these numbers are going to get bigger as time goes on. And this kind of planning and really... I guess you'll call this micro-income strategizing, mm-hmm. uh, is just going to be more magnified. I, I just, this is, it's like it's so hard to describe, especially most of you listening to this, if you're a client, you came from one of those seminars that we did. And Steve and I are always trying, like, how did you describe what we do? <laughs> and it's hard, because obviously most people know that you come to a financial advisor, you're looking for the for whatever you're looking for, whatever your horizon is, whatever your risk tolerance is, the best investments. But there's right. so much more that's hard to well, describe. What you just described there, I I find is going to be it's just one of those things, but it's yeah, it's going to be magnified in importance. Yeah, and I mean a lot of people, like you said, they think of okay, that my advisor is going to get me good investments, right. right? That's and that might be where your thought ends. Some people might think, okay, they're going to help me figure out how to withdraw money. You know, what's the most efficient way to, you know, make withdrawals? I would say this kind of stuff is next level beyond that, 
where you're you're looking at the money that you have and saying, okay, where's it going to come from? How do we take all these other things into account? Right, but it's also becoming more, our job's becoming more like a really, we use this analogy a lot, or at least I do, the, the great mechanic of the car. Right. You are unlikely to be thinking, you know what, I really got to now start strategizing on my income, what I'm taking and where I'm taking it from to make sure my Medicare premiums are as low as possible. You probably aren't thinking that as a client because this isn't, you know, you, it might be a passing thought, right. but it's not what you do every day. You're expecting the people taking care of your money to come up with some of this stuff themselves to, to be able to diagnose these things and then come to you with it. Mm-hmm. And that this is now boiling down to, you know, really who a good mechanic versus a bad mechanic right <laughs> or a good whatever they do for you versus whether it's a doctor an attorney a mechanic or whatever the profession is or an accountant doing that stuff whatever the good ones dig into all this stuff figure out things that you wouldn't figure out on your own to ultimately make you more money in our case and, and other ones are more cookie cutter they're just like they're back to the charge is I'm going to put you in the best investments, and right, and that's where it ends. Yeah, and I mean that's that's hard to quantify, or at least very hard. I mean it's hard to put down on paper and say, okay, well by doing this we saved three hundred bucks Correct. a month, and therefore that was you know. All right, let me go through another case that we dealt with recently, and it, it kind of ties in situation that we deal with a lot. Um, you've got a husband and wife. Right now, um, they've got a couple-year period where they don't have much income, right? So Social Security payments are going to kick in uh, in a couple of years. They've got some annuity payments that are going to kick in in, I think, next year. But this year, their income is very low, right? So we're talking this through, and one of the thoughts that we had was about doing some Roth conversions. And this is a very common time um, when we have people who have retired but either not started getting a pension or not started social security yet that's a great opportunity to do some Roth conversions and convert money over at a 12% tax rate which is pretty low and you know essentially reduce the amount that you're going to have to take out later on right right so that was the initial thought is maybe we'll do some Roth conversions then we started talking about some capital gains that this couple had right they've got a, a portfolio it's got some gains in there they never really wanted to realize it while they were working well if you are married filing jointly and you have income that falls below 77000 and change, your capital gains tax rate is zero. Right? So you could realize, in this case, this couple is going to do this, they could realize some capital gains this year and pay no taxes on it. Right? And next, I mean, from starting next year, their income is going to be you know, substantial, probably... <laughs> You know, close to a hundred thousand plus going right. forward. Um, so this is kind of a one-time opportunity where they say, "Gosh, we've got you know, there's thirty thousand, forty thousand dollars in capital gains that we can realize now, pay no taxes on it, and you know, we're in a wow. great situation." That's huge. You know, versus if they tried to turn around and do it next year, 
well, it's going to cost them 15% um, on the federal side and then, of course, whatever else on right. the state side. But this is why, I mean, it's why a couple things. It's why we call our business capital retirement strategies because there's a lot of, for every case, there's a different strategy or a different challenge. You just laid out a couple of them. But it's also, to me, more like I always... Why should I pay you guys 1% or whatever your fee is when I can pay the other guy with a fee or whatever? And people are so focused on fees. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's fine. And they should be comparing fees. and, And we agree with that. And we talk about that a lot. But ultimately, what are you getting for your fee? There's a whole bunch of things you should be getting for your fee services. Yep. Um. And good advice on investments that should make that fee well worth it, especially for the group who's listening to this show and who comes to us, especially for the group of people over 55, when there's so much to be done like this. When you retire and you're not earning that income anymore, now your income is derived mostly from investments for many of you. So many of these strategies, just like you laid out those, come into play. And to me... Well, obviously, we wouldn't do this business if we didn't believe that most people over 55 who have some money should have a financial advisor. But the notion that the fee is not worth it, if the fee is reasonable to me, I, that's obviously an opinion. Yeah. I think that for many, many people, for the, all the services involved, the fee is certainly worth it when you're getting the service. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't want to go into it now because we could go into whole other avenues of extra value add Um, but we've talked about it before just that understanding of the insurance world as well as the investment world we even talk about that insurance life insurance and so on um you know that's another you know big value add where somebody (laughs) has a long-term care policy doesn't have one has life insurance you know all of those things has annuities and doesn't know it's an annuity oh yeah (laughs) that does happen (laughs) All right, good episode. Yes. Lots of good stuff. We'll there. be back in two months. We're kidding. <laughs> Let's try to keep it to a couple of weeks. Yeah. Talk to you soon. <laughs>